Good morning and welcome to the, uh, no, no, it's not the leadership boost. <laughs> oh, well, I'm getting off to a good start today. The KLE podcast. Welcome to the KLE podcast. Great to have you all uh, again with us on the episode, the Friday episode with my friend Steve Bissett in Texas. Good morning. Good morning to you, Steve, and your host, Sean Smith, in Pennsylvania. We are together again, just seeking out the principles, the points, the principles, the, the keys, the, the laws, if you may. Uh, what does it take? How does Jesus build his church? And uh, we're so glad to have you with us again. And we are going to deep dive into... Our conversation that you're joining, as um, I've said before, Steve and I have been doing this for a number of years, just hopping on a phone and talking away, talking to each other, sharing, encouraging, inspiring, bouncing things around with each other. And it's been a real encouragement. It, it helps us to discern what, what, uh, and process what God's revealing to us and just be accountable so in that process, we decided to uh, have you join us. Steve and I have been on a journey for a number of years. We've been through our experiences, as many of you have. Each of us has a journey. And uh, Steve and I just decided that we will share our journey with you, that you can be part of it. God's gifted us with uh, the ability to not only see things, but to communicate them as well. So I'm sure many, many of you are in the same position, but here we are today and we hope that our sharing will encourage you, will inspire you, will inspire you or just maybe encourage you to actually go and search it out a little bit more and question. You know, Steve, many times we do things without thinking about it. We, we, we say things without actually searching out what we're saying and we just throw it out there now i know many who does that who does that who does that <laughs> yeah. not me everybody does that hey was that a question <laughs> yes that is that is very true that is very true sean <laughs> No, thank you, thank you, Steve. <laughs> hey, in case uh, in case you folks have never seen a picture of Sean, he's a lovely, yet lovely young man, and you can tell that I've bounced a lot of stuff off of his head over the last few years because uh, I've not seen much hair on there, in, at least in the front here recently. So yeah. uh, take a, take a look at some of his pictures and and uh, just comment and <laughs> yeah. yeah, say I'm so sorry, Steve, for what you've done to him. Yes. It's all your fault. I, must, I, I now just because the bald spot has got so big, I just take it all off. Eh? And <laughs> so I'm trying to, I'm trying to get somebody to tell me I got a good-looking bald head, but nobody's coming forward. My my aunt says I'm good-looking. <laughs> you have a good-looking bald head, Sean. Yes. Oh, thank you, Steve. Man, you made my day. You made my day. <clears throat> yes. Anyway, so. I just see we, uh, where were we? Oh, yes. You know, we do things without thinking about it. We do things without actually having a scriptural basis or a script, scriptural reference to it. And uh, therefore, you know, we just keep doing what everybody else does. And uh, I often think we 
I, I know for me, it's just, you know, when, when starting a ministry, I just picked up where, where I saw what others were doing. I wanted to be like my pastor. You know, I wanted to be like my pastor. I even bought cowboy boots like him. I wore a suit like him. I mean, really. And, and you know, I, I wanted to be like him. But the more I tried to be like him, the more he rejected me. <laughs> so, right. So, so I, and you know, that was the crazy thing. So you go through this process of, of you know, you're trying to copy what you're seeing, you know. And when, when I first started, when I first started in ministry, uh, we planted our first church in Cape Town, South Africa, Michelle and I. I, I knew my pastor. He had built this like soundproof room in his uh, garage, I think. And in, in that soundproof room, he like prayed an hour, read the word for an hour, listened to teaching for an hour, worshiped for an hour. He did that all day, never came out except for, for certain meetings at certain times that, he's, um, that he scheduled and that his secretary then, his private secretary, book for him so of course i go to, to cape town and now i'm trying to do the same thing and i'm saying to to michelle she goes can we go to the beach today I'm like, no we're not going to the beach today because i gotta pray <laughs> so I, I couldn't make me a sound a soundproof uh, room but there was an outside toilet you know outhouse toilet and uh, so i put a nice little wooden thing on the toilet and i would sit on there and i put a made a little desk for me in there and i'd sat in this thing all day, every Saturday, praying for the Sunday service to which only five people were attending at that point in time. But I thought that You're dedicated. I've got to do this thing, otherwise we won't grow. And if we're not growing, then we're not influential. And if we're not right. influential, I'm not successful because your leadership is all dependent on how many people you have. And your success is measured by how big your church is. In fact, when I called him the one day and I said, I'm struggling after a year of this and getting depressed sitting in the outhouse toilet studying all day. Um, I called him and he said, how much money are you making? Oh, no. How much money are you taking every Sunday? And I said, uh, like 30 rand. And he goes, oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> you got to come up here and spend some time with me. I said, um, I'm taking 30 rand. <laughs> the <tea." laughs> The ticket costs more than that, way more than that, to come up, to fly up, to be with you. And uh, so, he said, well, when you got the money, call me. So, so that was my introduction to, to my first pastoring job. That's about what it was. That it picks up on a good point. You know, so I'm, I'm like trying to follow this principle, this this model and it doesn't work. And I never questioned anything else because I didn't know anything else. You know, I think the alternative to me was worse, you know, becoming a, a denominational minister, you know, that was just, right. that just even seemed worse than that. So uh, anyway, yeah. So <laughs> interesting, interesting huh. beginnings, you know, it's interesting that you had to sit in an outhouse. I mean, that just, that should show you where the beginnings of your, <laughs> Ministry really are. <laughs> did, did I hear correctly? Uh -huh. <laughs> oh my word! I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! 
goodness. Oh. Yeah, I want to give I want to give all you all the essence of what I've been studying the last one. <laughs> 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 I'm bringing No, not go there. That's what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well, actually <laughs> the 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 principle that I actually thought I'd bring out of this, the principle I thought I'd bring out of this is, um, you know, the, the Michelle. It's like it's like th- thirty-five years later, and Michelle still reminds me when I wanted to go to the beach. You were sitting in the outhouse, <laughs> and we couldn't go to the beach because you were so spiritual and trying to be anointed. That we couldn't go anywhere, do anything. I was, oh my word! Yes, I'm so sorry. I was so naive, you know. But I picked up a, an article uh, or a, something yesterday. I think it was the day before, and I was reading about how, in some cultures, and it's and I I, I think it's sort of prevalent, very prevailing right now, is that because of the stresses and the strains of trying to fulfil a position and fulfill a career as a ministry leader that their spouses are being neglected. Their families are being neglected in this one specific culture. The guys don't even recognize that they're doing it. You know, they just detach themselves emotionally and. That's in every culture. And I I think that's, you're right. I think it is in, Every culture, wouldn't you say that, name? Because I know, I know, I did that with my wife and kids too. I mean, I, Dad, can we go do this? No, I'm studying. You know, we have an important meeting tomorrow. Yes. Um, Dad, can we go do this? Well, no, I'm actually, I'm going to be in prayer. Yeah. Well, they what they begin to see is that their heavenly Father is kind of a evil taskmaster that that doesn't let you have any fun. I mean, that's what they see. Yes. And rather than, rather than I have a father that wants to spend time with me, that longs to spend time with me, that longs to do things with me, and I'm the apple of his eye. I mean, they don't see that. Yeah. In fact, I remember Connie telling me one time, she says, I feel like the other woman. Wow. And I said, what's that mean? And she said, well, you have the church, and um, then there's me. Yes. And she said, I, I, don't know, I don't know how else to express it other than to tell you that I feel like the other woman. Yes. So, and that's actually what it is. I mean, if it's the bride of Christ, uh, you know, that is another woman <laughs> that you're trying to woo or impress or whatever. So, yeah. uh, anyway, I mean, that's no wonder she felt that. Yeah, but <clears throat> no, it is you know that, and that's I did the same thing. I mean, one day my my firstborn, who's now thirty years old, but um, you know he was a little boy, maybe four, four, five years old, and he said, "Dad, come kick the ball with me." And I said, oh, "I've got a meeting," and I was doing meetings just about every night, you know. So he said, right. um, "You're always kicking ball." Boy, you know, that was like a, a 
and right. life into my heart as I drove to the meeting. I wasn't a very happy man at that point in time because that registered deeply um, in my heart that he wanted to spend time with me and I wasn't spending time with him. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's why there's like such a high divorce rate and, and, uh, and a breakdown in marriages, in relationships within the context of ministry and ministry leadership. Right. Well, infidelity, infidelity doesn't start, um, doesn't start just by the man and woman deciding, you know, that I'm going to cheat on you. It's a, you're already cheating on your wife with this other woman. Yes, exactly. And so, and you wonder why, you know, she's looking elsewhere. Or you wonder why the man begins to look out. He's already looked elsewhere. He's already looking for that approval and that that trust, that signification from, from, a, from another woman is what he's doing. Yes. So it's kind of, um, uh, even, even when you're leading praise and worship, you still, you still look for the accolades of the, you know, if she's following me, then I know that I'm doing my job, you yes. know, basically. Yes. And, and so, you know, even in that, uh, that type of leadership capacity, um, you're still trying to, um, woo the bride to, to do something or impress her or whatever, uh, with my mad skills. <laughs> and, uh, there's just, I don't know, there's, there's been something uh, that's, that's, it hasn't really changed in me so much. Um, I, I can't say that it, that it automatically changed in me overnight. It, it took a while, uh, because there's a, there's a lot that I still notice that if we go into a, if I go into a meeting somewhere, sometimes, sometimes I'll notice that creeps up again. Um, you know, as far as, um, you know, uh, that, that, Im that impressing thing. And, and I mean, just to be honest, um, which, which I know shouldn't be there. And then I catch myself or the Lord catches me at it. And I just kind of go, okay, I'm sorry, father, you know, I'm here to represent you, not, not me. Yes. So what is it you want to say? What is it you want to do? What is it you want to, cause I want them to find you. Yeah. I want the bride to see her husband, not, not me. So, um, anyway, that's, I, but that came as a process. It didn't come overnight. Yeah. Well, because it's that paradigm, you see that we, we in this, we're in this paradigm of, of we've got to be, you know, gain approval. We, we've got to be, seen as the spiritual leader we've got to be seen as the one that's anointed more anointed the one that has the answers that has the truth you know can can actually do this thing can can perform in the spirit you know in that kind of sense so we actually really Don't you lose your job well, it, that's exactly what it is. And that's what I feared for many years. I feared like, what do I, you know, I know I'm called to this. I know it's my purpose to, to, to do this. And pastoring was the only way I knew how to do it. So I'm, I'm fulfilling this. I have to do this and I have to do it well. Because if I lose the people's approval, then I lose my salary. And if I lose my salary, how am I going to live? And what do I do then? What kind of job do I do? I don't know what else to do. And so you, you actually living like a politician, you're a right. career, you're a career politician. All you're trying to do 
is you're not leading, you're just constantly working at your likability scale and measuring yourself on likability. You don't want to get rejected. You you want to be accepted right. all the time, except when you know the, the casualty is affordable. Then you might cut somebody loose because it's affordable. Right. But, but generally, you're going to work this thing and manipulate this thing to to make sure that you have secured your job and your career, you know? Right. It's interesting because it says they who through fear of death are subject to bondage all the days of their mm. life. Mm. And um, I've thought about that scripture before a lot of times. And, and um, when I think about death, it, a lot of times you think about the final days where you take your last, you know, suck your last bit of air and you go home to be with the Lord. But, but when you think about it in terms of, death of a relationship, death of a, uh, death of a ministry, death of a job, death of a, um, you know, whatever death, they who through fear of death are subject to bondage all the days of their life. Yeah. If I'm so afraid that that thing is going to die, if I don't do it a certain way, I'm under bondage to that all the days of my life. No, exactly. And all fear, all fear has its root in the fear of death. Right. All fear. That's, that's where fear has its strength is in the fear of death. So like you say, the, the, and that gives you bondage. In, in 1 John, it says that fear, uh, uh, fear is torment. Right. Yeah, that's true. It is. So it torment, and it does. It's like stresses you out. It's anxiety. It, um, it uh, affects your health. It affects, you know, your thinking. But like I say, is that, we were stuck in this paradigm that that's the way it is. That's the way, what you've got to do. We, we, we right. need that model and we never question it. We never think about, you know, what is the right thing to, you know, what, what is, what is the King requiring me to do in this? What is the Lord re requiring me to do in this? And that's basically it. I mean, I, we can, you and I've been around and around this mountain talking about how, how we've done it wrong, but, um, I know a lot of guys have recently asked me, <laughs> how do you do it right? Yes. You know, what's, what's the very first step that you do? Of course, we're, we're people of, of, uh, we, we like the DIY, you know, do it yourself type of thing. I want to know what the first step is. The second step, give me the blueprint, you know, let me know. Yes. And, um, part of that is, is the stuff that we've talked about before, um, who who is the Lord given you? Who is He set as bones around you? Because um, He set every man each bone to each his bone. The body's only as strong as that which every joint supplieth. So if it's a joint that supplies, it's not the individual bone. I'm an individual bone. You're an individual bone. But when we supply to the body, it's when we come together and make a joint. Did you know that a bone does not grow in and of itself? It's only grows when it's connected to another bone wow. and it only grows toward the joint. Wow. The marrow in life is produced toward the joint. Yeah. So when you think about that, you think it, the relationships are probably are the most important thing. So if the Lord set me with some people right now, whoever it is that's in my life, uh, first and foremost, my family, of course, but begin to pour my life into them, begin to pour into them, whatever it is that the, <clears throat> that the Lord's given me and, uh, uh, get out of my outhouse <laughs> yes. and begin, begin once again to live. And, um, 
I remember Connie telling me this a couple times. She says, uh, you think too much. Why don't you just live? Yeah. And, um, the problem is, is we, we are trying to be so spiritual or trying to do it so right so often that we forget to live yeah. and forget to give life to those who are around us. I came that they might have life and that more abundantly. If that's the case and Christ is in me, then I was sent for that same purpose that the people around me might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So if that's the case, then even as I go to work today, I'm sent that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm sent to my wife, um, you know, whenever I see her today, that she might have life and that she might have it more abundantly. So when I think about how I'm sent or what I'm sent for, to begin to do that right now with whom the Lord has set me with, with the other bones that I have, if I'm faithful in the little, even though it's not little to the Lord, if I'm faithful in that, then... You know, others are going to be added if if I'm looking for an addition, <laughs> if I'm looking for if I'm looking for others. But at that point, you don't begin to look for others. You just look to the fact that I'm pouring out my life right now for these people that are with me, and it's sufficient for me. Yeah. And uh, when you think about uh, even as it says in Ezekiel, or not Ezekiel, Ephesians, where it talks about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the reason that they are there is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry till we all come to the fullness and stature of the Messiah or Christ. If I, if I would spend my life trying to get those people that I am connected to into the fullness and stature of the Messiah, I don't know how many people I could take around me at that point. It, there, I could probably right now only do that with very few because to pour a life into somebody till they come to the fullness and stature of the Messiah Christ is, is a big, big job. And, um, so that, that see, that's my commission. You always ask me what my mandate is and, uh, I haven't dated a man, but anyway, I have a mandate. Um, the mandate that I have is basically that is to bring those that are around me into the fullness and stature of the Messiah. And if that's a, I know that may be a high and lofty ideal, but that's basically what we were called to do. That's the foundation of what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. Right. So first step, if they're looking for a first step, if they're looking for, all right, I'm going to do this. Step one, step one is built out of the relationship you already have in Christ, of course. So it's that, as you and I have talked about before, it's that intimacy that you have with Christ, first and foremost. But secondarily, then, just to begin to pour life into those people that, that the Lord has already connected you with. Don't, don't look for other people. Don't look for a bunch of other things. Don't look for places to speak. Just pour your life into those people that the Lord's already given you, that are already around you. Well, you see, so, that's, that's your mandate. Right. Your mandate is to actually model that because we, we don't see that in the church. Right. So, you know, you're a pioneer. That's where you, your leadership, actually, your mandate leadership picks up because that's your passion. And that's where you, you find, you know, 
the the igniting ignition the the you know the passion of of the inspiration of the holy spirit within you is to actually do that and so as simple and as as foundational as it is it's not being done so not being done effectively it's being done in places but not effectively Yes, I haven't seen too many people come into the fullness and stature of the Messiah, frankly. Exactly. So. There's, there's not a lot of maturity around, you know, no, so, no. so that's what you're modeling. And, and uh, <clears throat> so that, that gives it clarity as to, to who and where and how you, you know, <clears throat> what you're supposed to be doing and what your process is. Right. What the mandate is, you know. Um, and next week is step three. And <laughs> next week is. So, yeah, I just felt like I needed to encourage you in that. You know, for me, it's like I, I'm just looking at Ephesians chapter five here. And it starts off in verse 21. I'm reading from the Message Bible, but it says, Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. In other words, submit to one another. That's where it starts. Is First of all, there, there has to be this. To me, in my mind, when I read this, is there's a there's a focus not on me, but there's a focus on actually building up the people, like you say, around you. It's it's in in relationally um, revealed or relationally done, um, not as my position or my title, but in relationship to actually submit to one another. In other words, I value the people around me. I value the relationships around me. But then he goes on to say, wives understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, Wives should likewise submit to their husbands. It, and it's like in the modern in the modern world, you know, we were talking about terms earlier, uh, and how they've they've um, changed over over the decades and centuries. Um, <laughs> it's like uh, you know, a word that was used in the King James version. If you use it today, wouldn't be very romantic. Right. So we can say it. We can say it. It's in the Bible. Exactly. But yeah, Song of Solomon says, "My bowels are moved toward you, my my spouse." Yes. Well, if I said that to my spouse, honey, I just want to tell you something. I am so excited right now that my bowels are moved toward you. <laughs> Not to more than likely, I'd be looking for another place to stay for a while. <laughs> Uh, not a very romantic move. <laughs> no. Not, yeah, not a very romantic movement. <laughs> she, she wouldn't be dazzled by that one at all. No, no. So in definition of terms, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, is in the 1970s, in the 60s, if you said, man, I'm chilled, it, it would mean you're cold. Right. It's like, okay, you know, you, you're relaxed. <laughs> so, so the definition of terms has changed. And the word submit is the same, the same word. It's, it's deemed to be a domineering word. It's deemed to be a lesser inferior when you are submitting you in an inferior position. But that's not the case at all. The word submit means to rank in order. And you do it voluntarily. It's not forced on you. You rank voluntarily in the order. And... So that's he's the, the, that's what Paul says to the church here. He says that's what wives need to do. Wives understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. 
And then he goes on to say, so just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. And I want to say, <laughs> okay, I'm going to hit a couple of nerves here, but um, the thing that really stood out to me is, is that, number one, uh, speaking to, to, to the wives well, and, and husbands, what did, did I mention this before is that I looked up some statistics. This is government statistics of um, marriage and divorce in the United States of America. And do you know amongst conservatives, amongst Republicans, amongst church, the Christian church Bible Belt area, the divorce is higher than anywhere else in the country. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. But I, I, I really believe, you know, okay, I know you don't like that concept. But, but, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I like. But from that, from that research, what, what I personally see into that is that the reason being just that whole idea of the religiosity of trying to be spiritual and, right. And is like we 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 cannot because we try we're trying to be so religiously spiritual, we don't in fact apply the principles of of relationship that's necessary. And one of the things that I heard somebody say, and I and I thought this is incredible, and I, I wish I'd known this 30 years ago to teach it when I was like ministering in a church setting, uh, in a pastoral setting. But he said this, he said, men don't want sex, men need sex. And and religious, when I, I've even noticed like celebrity TV kind of Christian um, couples, oftentimes the women, are, uh, the wives are so, you know, into their prophecy and into their revelations. And, and I'm looking at this, I'm going, where's your intimacy? Your intimacy is missing. I can see it, you know, it's just, it's very evident. And, and so to the wives, I want to say, you know, first off, the principle of understanding is like absolutely critical in any relationship. Taking the time to understand where the other person is coming from. It's something, a principle that I, I applied within the context of my marriage because the Bible says husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. And so I, I looked up that word and I began to study it out. And, and here it says wives understand and support your husbands in the same thing. And so I began to look at the fact that what does understanding mean? It means to have a heart that is prepared to be influenced, prepared to listen before you want to be heard. And not just listening to answer, not just listening to to hear, but listening to really understand, to really grasp, to really see or or um, embrace where the other person is coming from, what they what their journey is, what their point of view is, how they feel about it, and of course, wives talk very much in in the emotional realm is many times men don't understand it. You know, it's like they're not skilled. They should be. They should be skilled in understanding the, 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 the wife's communication method or conversation method, which is to speak emotion. She, she talks, she speaks, but she speaks feeling how she, and that's a powerful, a powerful gift that she has, but we need to understand it as men and men. One, one young lady, I was doing a, 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 
a seminar workshop um, in England, and one young lady said, um, us, she said, us women, we don't even understand ourselves. And I said, right, exactly. That's why, that's why men need to, that they've been given this gift to understand, but they've never developed the gift that, that God's given them to understand women. That's why we are more logical because we are supposed to understand. But then it goes on to say, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they already won in marriage. And, and so what is it that wives need? Wives need affection. Wives need attention. I'm not talking about manipulative, controlling um, you know, submitting to or, or fitting into a, a manipulative, controlling, kind of overpowering, possessive, jealous kind of uh, <laughs> um, affection. That's not affection. That's just being controlled. But I'm saying when, when, when you take the initiative to give her affection, to give her um, respect to give her understanding to give her in fact the bible talks about men husbands giving their wives love not the other way around right. men, the thing men need the most is respect it does if if a man loses his job and he comes home wives don't belittle him Tell him how much you respect him and show him respect. Not, not because he's a lord or because he's a boss or because, you know, it's just because you deem him important enough to, to respect him. It'll go miles to making him a whole person. And husbands, when your wife is going through a difficult time, you know that time when your when when your wife says to you, get out, just get out, get out of my, get out, just leave me alone. Um, Husbands, don't. Uh, don't go very far. <laughs> she means get out of my space, but don't go far. If you leave, then she goes, I knew you'd abandon me. That, that's what she registers. Um, you're not, but that's how she registers it. And so it's don't abandon her. Don't leave her. Um, just get out of her space. But be around to support her. So wives, understand that men are physical men uh, your husbands are physical your husbands are are um, uh, visual visual is important um, respect and is very important to them it, it gives them esteem that tells them I am still your champion I'm still your your um, your knight <laughs> I'm still your your warrior your protector because you set that for him but if you breaking him down if you telling him how worthless he is how how um, inadequate he is etc I you know you just disempowering him and now he begins to get quieter and quieter he stops talking he stops taking initiative and you know then you have this paralyzed man in your life and now the distance begins to grow in your communication husbands understand your wife um, understanding is very important to her communication is very important to her and affection just telling her that you appreciate her that you love her touching her 
um, doing little things for her. It's not the, the 60 roses that counts. It's the one. <laughs> it's, the, it's not the box of chocolates. It's the one sweet that says, I was thinking of you. Um, candy. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> that, that is, I, I, you know, Steve, because I've just seen it in church, how, how religiosity can separate and people withhold themselves. I'm too spiritual to actually pay attention to you. And well, I'm too spiritual to actually, you know, give, make love to you. Um, right. You know, and, and that's, I'm praying now. It's like the, the, <laughs> the one woman was praying for her husband and her husband walked in and she said, what's the matter with you? Get out the room. I'm, don't, can't you see I'm praying for you? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the things that um, uh, was brought to mind while you were talking there, and I can't find it. I was going to look it up real quick, but that's all right. In Malachi, it talks about um, do not deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. Malachi, chapter three. Yeah. yeah. And the word treacherously is kind of interesting. It, it basically means to, to hide or to cloak yes. and to uh, withdraw. Wow. So a, a lot of times what we'll do as a man, instead of, instead of as Christ toward his bride, who even while reviled, reviled not again, even while, uh, while we were yet sinners, he loved us, he gave his life for us, uh, we have a tendency to push away or to cloak. And um, uh, it's kind of like the Klingon, you know, with the uh, Star Trek, you know, that cloaking device they've got. Yes. You know, you can see me a little bit here, but you can't really see me here. Yeah. And uh, you can see a little bit of my life, but you can't really see all of it. So, and we begin to hide parts of our life from our wife. Yes. And it says, do not deal, even though that's old covenant, it's still a, a type and a shadow of, of how Christ operates toward his bride. He doesn't hide things from us. He doesn't hide his heart from us. And that's one of the very first things we begin to do is, is hide our heart, uh, hide the vision, hide our hide our purpose, hide our, uh, because we've been uh, belittled or uh, mistrusted so much that, that we begin to hide that part of our heart uh, and not share that goal, not share the vision, not share the dream, not share the whatever. And um, uh, consequently, we begin to deal treacherously or, or cloak, cloak ourselves from our, from our, basically ourselves, because we're supposed to be one flesh. Yes, we are. And so we, we hide ourselves from ourselves, <laughs> and uh, we begin to, it's not living in deception, but yes, it, yet it is, yes. because I'm hiding something, and we can't really go the same direction with the same purpose if I don't, if I don't uncloak all of who I am toward my bride. Whether she wants it or not at that point, it's, it's my job to uncloak. Yeah. It's my job. And not uncloak her, not uncover her. I'm talking about just uncloaking myself uh, because I don't want that Klingon cloaking device. That's for protection. What do I need to protect myself from with my wife? Yes. And uh, a lot of times I've seen this in a lot of ladies who, who go to church and do all the spiritual stuff and everything else. They have a tendency to have a judgment toward their husband. Uh, because he's not doing, quote, the spiritual things. Yes. And so they begin to disdain him. They begin to see that he's, well, he can't be my head uh, because, you know, he's not spiritual. 
Yeah. Well, he's still your head. Uh, that's what Christ says. Yeah. And uh, even as Christ is of the church, you, you still, as it says in Peter, you still uh, look toward him as a, as a servant does toward his master, even an unjust master. Yeah. Uh, and you begin to, because it says without even the word, the husband can be one. Yeah. So uh, if, we, if we begin to look at it as Christ really sees these relationships, as he really believes they are, and that's the thing, as he believes they are, not as we see it, but as he believes that they are. Yeah. Can, we, can I treat my husband, uh, you know, as a wife, can I treat my husband as he believes that we are? Can I treat my wife as he believes we are and the relationship is? Um, because my, my eyes are going to deceive me. My own heart's going to deceive me. There's so much cloaking going on between us that, that you know, I, I don't even know what's real anymore, basically. You know, so I can't trust what I see. I have to trust what Jesus Christ already believes and has stated about. And he believes that when people look upon my marriage, they're going to see Christ in the church. Well, that's the important thing. I mean, is that that is the first prophetic statement in the earth of Christ and his church is, is, is Michelle and I, you know, our marriage or your marriage or, or right, our marriages right. in the church is that that's the, the first prophetic statement of Christ and his church and how it's supposed to be. If right. that's all wrong, if, if there's dysfunction in the natural, how are people viewing the spiritual? Right. And no wonder the divorce rate is greater amongst church people, you know, quote unquote, than, than it is even in the world. Yeah. Uh, because we do not represent that. We do not believe. Um, I was talking with a guy just yesterday just about um, can, I, can I still be, can I still believe in Jesus Christ or can I still believe in Jesus yet be anti-Christ? <laughs> How do you do that? Well, it's, it's honestly pretty easy. Um, Christ is the anointed one, the Messiah. I can believe that Jesus Christ came to earth or Jesus came to earth and died for me and everything else. Yeah, but just in humanity. Right, right. But if I do not believe that Christ, the Messiah, is in me that came in the flesh then it says that I'm of the spirit of Antichrist if I do not believe he came in the, in the flesh. Yeah. And a lot of times we have a tendency to believe that Jesus is great and Jesus is this and Jesus, but we refuse to believe that Christ, our Savior, has already come. Christ, the spirit of Christ is within me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive and working me right now, quickening this mortal body, that Christ right now my light has come. I don't have to search for other things. I don't have to keep searching as though it's in a dark place to find a decision or a purpose or a direction because Christ, my light has come. And I now have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, the Holy One, the anointed one. I'm not looking for an anointing. I'm not looking for a purpose. I'm not looking. I have that light <clears throat> and that light is within me. I'm not looking externally anymore because Christ is in me, this hope of glory. And, but see, that's in simplicity. We've believed in Jesus most of our lives. But yet to believe that Christ has come, 
we have a trouble with that. We're still looking for a savior. We're still looking for somebody to set us free. We're still looking for somebody to heal us or some way to get healed. We're still looking for something else when actually Christ has already come. Well, it's, it's much like the, the people of Israel when Jesus did come in the flesh. They were looking for a physical kingdom. Right. You know, and they wanted to set him up as king of a physical kingdom to overthrow the occupying force of the Romans or the Roman Empire. And, of course, right. Jesus was not that kind of king, and he wasn't representing that kind of kingdom. And so they didn't understand, and that's why they ended up getting rid of him, because they were looking for something physical. And, right. and he was introducing a spiritual kingdom, not you know an invisible kingdom, not a visible kingdom. Right. And the kingdom of heaven is not external anyway. It's within us. Yeah. Well, well the kingdom. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what it says. It says the kingdom of heaven is within us. So if the kingdom of God is within me, uh, it starts within me. <laughs> and so now it becomes a collective thing where I can demonstrate the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's yeah. right here, right now. Uh, and I can, I can show that or take dominion in the area, in the things around me, and begin to express the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign, his authority. Yes. So, and, and it's, <clears throat> the problem is it's a tough... This is one of those mindset things again, the, the, the um, paradigm thing, paradigm shift. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get you a t-shirt that says shift happens and put a little paradigms down below. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, that the thing that the, this is one of those little slight adjustments that can go in our mind that would change our lifestyle altogether. Yes. Because if we begin to really believe that Christ the Messiah is in me, is in me. I'm not looking then for another Savior. I'm not looking for somebody else to set this person free. I've been sent that this captive may be set free. And it's not, it's not a way of I've got to work it up anymore. This is just who I am because Christ is in me. Yeah. So it's a, it's a whole... It's a whole paradigm shift once again. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of life then, not just, not just a principle or a, a doctrine or something else that, that I think about all the time. Yeah. It's, um, um, I don't know, there's, there's just so much to the, and I've been, I've been pondering this for probably about four or five years now uh, as far as Christ and the fact that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. And frankly, the church as a whole, even in our relationship as a husband and wife, you think about if I really believe that Christ, the Messiah, is in me, how will I treat my wife then? Or as a wife, how will I treat my husband? Because the scripture says this is what he believes about us. So how do I really believe now? How do I function then? in this relationship because it's it's not according to what I feel, think, believe, whatever else anymore. I am not my own. I've been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. So if that's the case and it's Christ in me now, what is it he believes and how do I operate now toward this person? And so, um, <clears throat> you know, even in our marriage, what is our, what is my whole, I'm not trying to show Christ in the church. I am it. Yeah. You know, so, so he believes that. So now as I just begin to live that life, 
I began to demonstrate Christ toward my wife and set her free, have her live, come that she might have life and that more abundantly. She's ever engraved upon the palm of my hand. Uh, even before she calls, I answer. Uh, you know, you just think about a few of the simple things. I, I, I ever, ever lived to make intercession for her. I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. I mean, just those few little things that Christ does toward his bride, you know, and just to think how uh, that's, that's who he believes I really am toward my wife. Yeah. yeah. And just to start living that way because now I believe it. We're not going to live differently than what we believe. <laughs> I mean, if you want to see what my faith is toward or you want to see what I really believe, just hang around for a while and watch how I live. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's like one, one guy said, he said, you know, more importantly than, than speaking at conferences was inviting people to stand around a barbecue with him and you right. know, just just talk and just share and just get to know one another. And he said, there you get to know people. You get to know what their values are. You get to know what is important right. to them. And, uh, and watch how, and that's what I was, you know, it's, it's fine to align yourself with the latest move of God or, you know, or the latest uh, great celebrity speaker, most anointed spiritual guy in the world and, and whatever else, but who goes into their home and sees how they treat their wife, you know, because you can, right. you can put on a lot of stuff on a platform. You can, you can right. show a lot of stuff. You, you know, can cloak yourself really well. Oh, yeah, you, you can. You know, character is revealed in time. Character is revealed in in the everyday events of life. When when you're stressed, when you are tired, when you are um, facing pressure, when when communication and understanding hasn't happened, what happens then? Um, do you know? Even when you disagree, what happens then? Where do you go from there? Let's see your children. Let's see your, your spouse. Let's see your relationships. You know, how, what does that look like? Because that reveals who you really are, what you really believe. Because who you are come, really is rooted in who you, what you believe and, and, and what your foundations are within you. Because, you know, it's like they always say your, your ministry or your gift or your, um, uh, yeah, your ministry sometimes can, and your gift can take you beyond your character. And so a lot of guys are able to do a lot of stuff and be very showy, but where is their, their you know, the foundation of their character is how do they deal with things? How do they deal with people? How do they deal with stress? Right. Uh, you know, and pressures, etc. So, it's it's very important that I, I just really, Steve, when I when I read this account and this this um, anyway, I don't want to get into the details of it, but but they, you know, there's this couple trying to train ministry leaders now on actually how to handle their relationships, and this is something that I saw, you know, is just how difficult they find it to actually find themselves because they're not, it's not a priority. It's not, it's not like you say, it's not a, a, a belief system. It's not part of their belief system. They think no. that being, being <clears throat> anointed and you know, the, when something divides, you've got to know it's religion. Religion divides, religion condemns, religion 
you know, separates, religion breaks down. Right. We, you've got to recognize when something, somebody's feeling neglected, religion is involved somewhere. <laughs> because when, when we are flowing within the context of, of biblical um, church and, uh, and the kingdom of God, you, you are immediately, your relationships feel secure. They are confident. They know love. They know approval. And therefore, they're not searching for anything else. And, you know, I want to encourage our listeners today, if, whether you're in, you know, positional leadership or you, if, if you, are, or you are in you know, kingdom leadership in the sense of just being who you are and reaching out, taking initiative to minister to other people, etc. First of all, never go look for intimacy anywhere else. Never ever accept intimacy from anywhere else other than home. And then I want to say to husbands and wives at home, you know, give each other the intimacy that is required. And that's not just sex. It is so much more than that. It's the communication. It is the understanding. It is the love, the respect, the cherishing. No cloaking anymore. Yes, and no hiding, you know, hiding your, your. it's like somebody said, um, the only reason, because do you know how many of these situations start on social media, uh, that there, there's a um, affairs and, and sexual, wrong sexual things begin on social media, and uh, simply because people act like they're single. Right. on social media right. and so you know make it very clear who you're connected to but you know i always i always say and michelle always said this to me when when you know since we were young she said i'm when you have a, a cadillac parked in your garage you'll never look at a volkswagen you know <laughs> and so and so you know give your spouse a cadillac you know give them something that they they're excited about coming home to that they want to be part of they feel the companionship and and um, the you know that's just basic basic uh, principles of good relationship because We've got to begin, you know, part of, of starting a new generation of leaders, Steve, is we, we have to begin to turn some of these things around. But we, like you're saying, we can't turn around in our own, in our own strength, but we have to take action. We have to start doing things right, and we have to find it within the paradigm or within the right thinking in our belief system within us is that we have the power to do this, and we need to be doing this. We must be doing this. Right. So that, that you know, this generation, I mean, you know, they don't even see the value. It's like uh, somebody, I was listening to somebody the other day saying, this is the first time in the history of any, of all religions, of any nation, any culture, where the definition of marriage is being questioned or being really? redefined, not even questioned, being redefined. Wow. It's the first time in all of mankind's history. Wow. Every culture and every religion has always deemed marriage the basic, the basis and, the, and marriage as, as husband, one man, one woman, as the basis of all, um, uh, of all, of all community. It's right. Always, it's always been accepted like that. And yet now is the first time 
that it's being questioned. Right. And, and redefined. And yeah, they're going to have to change Genesis where it says, and God made them in the garden, Adam and Steve, instead of Adam and Eve. Yes. Because, <laughs> because well, that's, of the... <laughs> that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's, it's changing. Well, but it, male and female, he made them not... Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. So, so it's um, it's uh, Ishan Isha, uh, you know. So, yeah. so we. You know, I got so bad at one point in time that I I thought you know that God just wanted me to, um, you know, just have relationships and have just. I always I always liked the fact that you know people liked me and um, you know the 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 three men in the in the fiery furnace I always thought was my shack your shack and to bed we go. <laughs> and uh you know it wasn't it wasn't until later that i found out hmm i've been thinking of that all wrong you know it's not it's not all that stuff it's it's this is there's something that god begins to burn out of you uh that's why it says baptizing the holy ghost and fire i mean there's a fire that continually not only burns in you as a light but it burns in you it burns away all the wood hay and the stubble it continues yeah. burns away all that other stuff that's just superfluous yeah. to his life yeah. and his light and his understanding and his purpose in life mm -hmm. so i mean it just continually burns all that stuff away yeah. so anyway i just there's something about the fire baptizing the holy ghost and fire uh that's been hitting me for about the last two or three months yeah. and he just says i want to i want to infuse you once again with fire Yes. And, um, and it's not, it's not that the fire has gone out. It's just, I, I'm going to show you what the fire is about. I'm going to show you that it's not only a fire that continually burns towards your wife. It continually burns for your children. It continually burns to the people that are around you. And it does that not only as a light in the darkness, but it does it as something that gives warmth, that gives life, it gives vitality to everybody that's around you. Amen. Well, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit that has been sent, the promise, the governor of the kingdom of God. We thank you for the comforter that's come to dwell in us. And Father, we, we see then in the book of Acts that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and full of faith and full of power. And Father, we just thank you that again, we, we ask you for the release and the floods, the floodgates within to be released again. And that fire that is within us, that Holy Ghost Shekinah glory that dwells within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, that, that glory, that deposit of that glory that's within us begins to be released again and consumes our life, consumes our relationships, consumes our thinking, consumes how we approach things in life. Father, we just thank you that, that it'll be, we'll be so filled that it'll permeate everything in every atmosphere. That truly, when we are, have been in a place, they'll say truly, uh, men of God, women of God have been in this place. Not something we strive for, but something that we are. Something that we just carry because we are temples of the Holy Ghost. That's we right. are temples of the Holy Ghost. We are temples we are buildings of god's glory we are we contain within us we are the real estate of god we are the building of god containing the glory of god the fire of god the shekinah presence of god we we contain that within us and lord i pray that everywhere we go there will be a release of that into the atmosphere that's right 
that people will begin to be able to taste that, experience that, know that, because the influence <laughs> of your spirit will begin to permeate the atmosphere, permeate the things that we do, permeate our relationships. Lord, that, that and the essence of who you are, the aroma of your life would just permeate everything that we do and everywhere we go in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for that right now. I thank you, Lord, that for the audience and the people under the sound of our voice, that there will be that release of your presence in Jesus' name. We don't strive for it. We don't need to strive for it. We don't have to, to try and work for it. We have it. We've just got to begin to walk in it and release it and really understand, really know it, be fully persuaded that we have it, that it, it, it is ours, because it is true that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's right. Greater, the greater one is in us than he that is in the world. Yeah. And I thank you for it today, Lord. I thank you for that. Filling now in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you for a good session again today, Steve. Great episode. And uh, we just pray that, um, we, you know, we really appreciate, Steve and I really appreciate every single one of you hopping on and uh, listening in on these episodes. I know people right across uh, a few nations, a number of nations, six, seven nations are listening in. And uh, we're really grateful to have you part of this. Hey, give us a share. Uh, give us a rating on, um, well, iTunes. Steve and I looked the other day, and I, it looks like they've actually limited uh, our uh, the amounts of appearances on there. But you can give us a, a heart on Spotify and a like on and a subscribe on Anchor. So we'd love to hear from you and um, um, know that uh, you are there because the more the more. Um, likes or subscribes we get the more we get bumped up to get our message out and so people can hear what um, KLE is all about all right so thank you for being with us again Steve really appreciate you and uh, have a super day and a wonderful weekend all right you too <laughs> god bless you buddy